0: Hi everyone. Welcome to Faith Community Church. We're so glad that you could join us for this week's podcast. If you have any questions or want to learn more about our church, you can check us out at woodstockfcc.com. That's woodstockfccfaithcommunitychurch.com. Thanks for listening and enjoy this week's podcast. Let me just start with prayer here this morning. Heavenly Father, we pray make your presence known in this place. Through the worship, through prayer, through the reading of your word, we pray, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit within whom unity lies in all that is is you. You are perfect love, you are justice, you are peace, you are power. And so we pray as we gather here today, your body, your church, throughout this place and this city and this province and country and throughout the world. We pray, fill our outstretched hearts with your spirits. We pray, encircle us with your love. We pray, make yourself known to us in new ways, in exciting ways, in challenging ways. We pray here on Pentecost Sunday, empower us, inspire us, and draw us to you. And so, Lord, we we do the best thing we can do in these circumstances. We take the plans that we had as we've walked in here, even my plans on the page, Lord, and we say we are holding them with open hands so that you will do with them what you will. We pray that you will give me the courage to follow your leading this morning. We pray, Holy Spirit, that you'll be interceding between what is said and what is heard so that each person who hears doesn't hear something nice from me, but they hear from you. We give you this service. May every aspect of it, all the sounds that are made from downstairs to upstairs, be received as honoring and joyful noise to you. We pray, Lord, you would do with the service as you will, that your will would be accomplished, and we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, good morning once again, and I do want to welcome you to Faith Community Church, and uh, that video here, that's the last time we're going to be seeing it. This uh, today, Pentecost Sunday, is marking the end of ...of our 40 days of prayer that we've been journeying on uh, alongside 500,000 other, 500, other Nazarenes across North America. And I want to say thank you to those of you who joined. Uh, whether you were using the prayer journal to follow along or just praying along with us, I want to say thank you. And of course, last weekend, most of you know, was our Hearing from God seminar. It seems like a long time ago now... Uh, But it was only a weekend ago. Maybe I've just had a long week. Anyone else had a long week? No? Yeah, it's just me. That's okay. Good. (laughs) It seems like a long time ago, but we had the Hearing from God seminar last week, and it was a blast. We had a great time. We learned a lot, or at least I did. I think others, too. Uh, We we heard stories of how God is speaking into people's lives, and it was an amazing experience. And and I'm just trusting that God is going to take that time and those lessons that we had, and he's going to put propel us forward into something new and exciting in the days to come. And this reinvigorated and, and renewed relationship with him. It was, it was a great weekend. I, I do want to take time to thank some people who helped put it on. So especially Pastor Mark, my father-in-law who came and actually ran the seminar for us. He, he did a lot of work behind the scenes there, uh, preparing and leading us through that. Of course, Teresa and Lori, who took care of all the food and a lot of the other small details. And I know Jeff had his hand in some of those details as well. So to, to all of them, I say thank you. Uh, to the church board, who, who helped not only talk through the initial planning of it, but also uh, agreed to uh, pay out of the church's pocket to reduce the cost to make costs not a barrier for people to come. I thank you, church board. For those decisions and helping to do that. And of course, those of you who attended, because without you we have no event and no seminar. So thank you for coming. Thank you for sharing your stories. That's what made it so powerful. The teaching is good, but when we share our stories, we're showing this is how it works in real life. And it does work, and it's exciting, and we actually get to know each other better. And It's just a great time. And more than just that, I just want to thank you for staying focused and actually being present at it. That's the key, right? being present. If you're going to do something, you got to be all there. That's how you get something out of it, and that, that I think, is harder than we give it credit for. Maybe some of you are already checking out a little this morning. I hope not, but maybe it's hard to actually stay present, but that is how you learn and grow and get the most out of things. Um, but we do so many things without being present, uh, where we might physically be there, but our minds are far away somewhere else. I bring it up because I think it's more likely a bigger issue than we really think it is. It's more important than we really think it is. So let me say it this way. When it happens to you, that is, maybe you're with someone else, maybe you're listening to the sermon now, but you're not actually present. You're here, but not present. We don't think it's a big deal, right? If it's happening to you, oh, you mentally checked out and it's okay, whatever, I'm here. But when it happens to you, that is, you're with someone else, and they're not present, all of a sudden it becomes a pretty big deal, right? I can prove this to you in one, one instance, right? Uh, have you ever had a conversation with someone? Or you're out at a restaurant or something, this would have to be pre-COVID or whatever, but, and they're doing this? And you're talking to them, and they might look up for a minute? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And they might add one or two sentences? Have you ever been... Present with someone who is on their phone the whole time you are with them. Not a great experience, right? Uh, they're physically there, they're with you, but they might as well be 100 miles away. Uh, I, I remember uh, there was this couple, this is a few years ago, that Bethany and I thought, well, maybe we could be friends. Of course, we had just moved back to Ontario and we, we left all of our university friends. We're going back like 10 years now. It doesn't seem that long ago, but wow. And we thought, oh, maybe these could be friends, and we, we, we were acquaintances, we knew them, but not well, and not that same deep level of friendship where you can just call them up and just do things, and, and we were looking for that, we were trying to, to find some new friends, and we thought, these guys could be our friends maybe, and so we arranged a couple times to go out with them, but without fail, every time we were with them, they spent their whole time on their phones. It doesn't feel great. Every time we left uh, for meeting with them without fail, we, we would end up saying, why did we even do this? What was the point of this? Whatever was going on, their phones was clearly more important than us. It's not a great feeling. We felt ignored. We felt unappreciated. We felt disrespected. We felt like it was just a colossal waste of time. And I imagine that I'm not the only one that would feel like that if that happened. I imagine none of us like to be present with others while their mind is entirely somewhere else. So let me ask then the pointed question this morning, which might seem obvious to you, but we'll ask it anyways. It's this, how often do you spend time in the presence of God while your mind is off somewhere else? How often do you spend time in the presence of God while your mind is somewhere else? I'm not talking about a momentary drift while you're praying. We all do that, and if you you don't do that, you're a much better person than me, and that might be so. Uh, My mind will drift when I pray sometimes, but I'm talking about something much more where your hearts are just not in it anymore. When your hearts and your thoughts are just a hundred miles away from what your actions are doing. Maybe, Maybe I can phrase it this way. How much of your relationship with God is on autopilot, It's something you don't even have to think about anymore, you just go through the actions, you know what to do, uh, but there's not any meaningful or real engagement about it. Maybe, Maybe you show up to church, right? You show up to church not because you're excited to come and have an encounter with God and hear from him, but because you're supposed to. It's habit. It's what you do on Sunday mornings, right? You come to church. Maybe you join us in a prayer meeting. Maybe, maybe you uh, actually spend time praying, but it's, you do it because you're supposed to. And in reality, it's little more than lip service. How often, let me ask this then, how often do you go through the motions of being a Christian without any real relationship with God? Let me ask that maybe a more, or in a more deliberate way. Is your relationship with God more motion than meaning? Listen to Isaiah 29, verse 13. The Lord says, These people come near me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far away from me. Their worship of me is based on merely human rules that they have been taught. Do you want my paraphrase of that? Going through the motions isn't enough. God doesn't want mindless drones who don't care and just do what they think they're supposed to do. God doesn't want you to simply go through the motions while in reality being completely disconnected and completely passionless. No. God wants our hearts. He wants us to be all there when we spend time with him. He wants the actions we do to be more than mere motions and instead wants them to be rooted in a meaningful relationship with him. In fact, we can see just how important this is. Uh, Later, Jesus, uh, in Matthew 15, he actually quotes this verse from Isaiah. I'll I'll give the context here, and then we'll read it. So some Pharisees, some of the teachers of the law, they're they're actually mad at Jesus, which happened often there. They're mad at Jesus, though, because his disciples didn't follow the exact traditions uh, that the Pharisees had, the religious leaders. So their outward actions of the disciples was not matching what the Pharisees thought they should be. It wasn't matching the expectations. expectations of the religious leaders. And so the religious leaders, they they start chastising Jesus. Why aren't they following the traditions? Why aren't they doing what we think they should do? They're not looking right on the outside, and Jesus comes back with some very strong language. Listen now, Matthew 15, verse 3. Uh, Jesus replied, and why do you break the command of God for the sake of of tradition. Man, that's a mic drop moment in scripture if there ever was one. It says, why do you break the command of God for the sake of tradition? Verse 7, now it says, you hypocrites, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are merely human rules. He's saying you're mad at them for not following the traditions, for not looking right on the outside, but you go out of your way to break the commands of God for the sake of your tradition. You are just lip service. You don't say things or do things because they're right. You don't do it as an expression of a meaningful relationship with God. You do it so others will see you. You do it so you look right on the outside, so others will notice. And Jesus knew that while they provided lip service, while they outwardly looked good to others, their hearts were far from God. It was all motion and no meaning. And in fact, in Matthew chapter 6, we have Jesus' most famous uh, teaching on prayer, and we're going to look at it a little more. Uh, but it hits this theme so well, so we'll do Matthew um, 6, 5 to 8 here. And it starts like this. Jesus says, And when you pray... Do not be like the hypocrites. Why? For they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received the reward in full. Let me stop there for a second. Do you know what he's saying there? He's saying all they cared about was being noticed. It wasn't about a meaningful connection with God. It was just lip service. Their hearts are actually far from God. And he says, they just wanted to be seen, and that is their full reward. They got it. Yeah, others see them. They might say, wow, that person is really holy. Wow, that person, they do all of the right actions. Look at them. He says, but that's all they that get. And what they don't understand is they're missing out on so much more. He says, they get their full reward. They, sh- they get it, sure, but it's shallow and it's meaningless. So he continues now in verse 6. He says, but you, don't be like that. But you, when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who's seen what is done in secret will reward you. Let's stop there again. He says, Okay, don't be like them. Don't be like the hypocrites. Don't pray for either scene. In fact, he says, go out of your way to make sure you're not doing a show for others. Go to your house. If that's not close enough, go into the closet. Shut the door. Make sure this is just for you and God, not for anyone else. And he says, and pray. Don't pray for others to notice you take time. Find that private place and pray as a means of connecting with God. And that is the full reward. Verses seven and eight. Now we'll finish this off. He says, and when you pray... Do not keep babbling like the pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Prayer is not about being seen by others, okay? Are you getting that? Prayer is not about being seen by others. It's not about using specific or fancy or many words. It's about being present with God. Prayer is about your heart connecting with God's heart. Let me say that again. That's significant. You want to know what prayer is about? You ready? Prayer is about your heart connecting with God's heart. In Luke's gospel, uh, he records the disciples asking Jesus a question. And one of the most important questions, and we're so grateful they asked it on our behalf. So Luke 11, one says this. One day, Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. Now, here's what I think. I think the disciples saw uh, Jesus. I think they saw that he was not ordinary. They had spent enough time with him. They had been eyewitness to miracles. I think they saw uh, as Jesus moved, they saw God moving with him. They they saw the miracles. They saw the life-changing encounters. They saw Jesus respond with truth and love, a hard mixture, by the way. We don't get that right most of the time. They saw him respond in truth and love. They saw him show grace. They saw him break down barriers. They saw him cut through the appearances, the outside, and get to the heart of things. And I think at this point, they, they began to put the pieces together and realize there is a connection between who Jesus was and the life that he lived and the time he spent in prayer, meaningfully connecting with his Father. In fact, if you went back a little to Luke chapter 5, verse 16, it says, But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. You know, the context of that passage in Luke 5 is that Jesus heals a man, and he specifically tells him, don't tell anyone, okay? Don't tell anyone, just accept the gift, it's for you. Uh, but news spreads nonetheless, as it would happen, and crowds of people are coming to hear Jesus speak. They're coming to, to get Jesus to heal them, and this is kind of every preacher's dream, right? Like, you, you give such a, a rousing message, or you do something, and people are excited, there's a buzz in the town, and people are coming. I, I'm just imagining now, if the church was filled to the brim, and we had to have people standing outside saying, you know what, you're going to have to come back later. I'll do the service again for you, but we have no more room right now. And this is every preacher's dream. You think Jesus would be right into it. I would. I would be so excited about this. Uh, But instead, we get this. It says, despite the fact that many came, or maybe we could say as a direct result of many coming, Jesus often withdrew. He didn't go out more. He withdrew to lonely places and prayed. In fact, if you trace through the Gospels, you can see that the busier Jesus' ministry got, the more people that came to him, the more he withdrew. See, Jesus knew that to live and experience the full life God had for him, to fulfill the mission of God uh, that, that God had sent him on, he had to be intimately connected with his Father, and that happens in prayer. So he made it a priority. He created time and space in his life, not to go through the motions, but to have meaningful engagements with the Father. And I think the disciples began to notice the connection, and so they asked, teach us to pray. And Jesus responded with what we now call the Lord's Prayer. And I say all this because I want you to see the answer to the question. I'll put this up on the screen for you. The question is this, what do I do... If my heart is disconnected from God, what do I do if I realize that I'm going through the motions more than having any real meaning in my relationship with God? I'm coming to church. I'm going to prayer meetings. I even joined a life group, but I'm realizing none of it is actually meaningful engagements with God. I'm just doing it because I feel like I should. So the question then is, what do I do if my relationship with God has become more motion than meaning? Here's the answer. You pray you pray. Why? Prayer is what connects your heart to God's heart. Time spent in prayer, which of course we've looked at extensively over the last six months going into seven months now, is both speaking and listening, and doing so will draw your heart to God's heart. And Jesus taught us to pray this way. This is the Lord's Prayer from Matthew 6, 9 to 13. You likely have heard this once or twice in your lifetime. It says, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Here's what this isn't. This is not a secret formula that Jesus taught us to use so that God will do what we want him to do. This is not a secret formula you can use to get God to move. There aren't super hidden special words that you have to say in this prayer for God to listen. Instead, what it is, it's a pattern of prayer that teaches us to praise God, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. It's a pattern of prayer that teaches us to seek God's presence and his plan Your kingdom come. Your will be done. It's a pattern of prayer that teaches us to ask for provisions. Give us this day our daily bread. Uh, It's a pattern of prayer that teaches us to offer penitent hearts as we repent and seek reconciliation. That's important. We have to repent, but also seek reconciliation in our broken relationships. Forgive us as we forgive those who have sinned against us. And it's a pattern of prayer asking for God's protection. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Connecting your heart to God's, moving from motion to meaning, it happens when you do this. I don't just mean say the words of that specific prayer, the Lord's Prayer. I'm not going to be mad at you if you want to do it that way. That's fine. By all means, say them, but don't say them out of pattern or repetition, out of mere motion, but do it with meaning. Consider what they mean and how they are drawing you closer and nearer to God. If you are just saying the words, I'm not sure how much good it will actually do for you, but if you take the time to consider the meaning of the words, that's when your heart is going to be connected to God's heart through prayer. That's the answer, right? If you want to move from motion to meaning, you have to slow down and consider what you're saying as you encounter God through prayer. Let let me say it this way, maybe. God's heart is not accessed through a secret formula. Instead, it's accessed on our knees in humble prayers. Take some time, maybe this week then, just start exploring the Lord's Prayer. Look at the pattern that Jesus teaches us. Uh, If you want to use the words, can do it. Sure, I'm not going to be mad at you, but pay attention to what they're saying. Don't just say, our Father in heaven, and then then move on. Take some time to consider what that means. Uh, Time to actually praise God for who he is. This is God. This is God in heaven, that his ways are higher than our ways. He knows fully everything in our hearts, and yet he loves us completely. Do you know how amazing that it is to be fully known, yet fully loved? Offer cut praise. Sing him a song. Take some time to pray that God's will would be done in your life and through your life. Ask him to reveal to you what that means and then slow down enough to listen. Ask him how he can use you to bring his kingdom to earth. Pray for your daily needs. This is about understanding that you live wholly dependent on God. So God give me today what I need to get through the day. And then you know what you have to do? You have to go back tomorrow and ask again. Take time to ask for forgiveness. Ask if there's anything in your life that's Putting a barrier between you and him. If there's distance, if there's something there that needs to be dealt with, and then listen. We're good at fluffing this piece off when it comes to repentance and confession. We say, God, is there something in the way? And He'll bring something up, and we say, Oh, but not that. <laughs> Surely you know. I mean, I mean, everyone struggles with that. So that couldn't be a. Don't do that. Just say, God, what is between us? I want a meaningful relationship with you. I'm tired of going through the motions. Is there something that needs to be dealt with for that to happen? And then listen. If you hear or sense something, respond respond in faith, say, you know what, God, I'm not sure if this is you or not, but I, I sense this coming up, and I just want to repent of it. I'm saying, I'm sorry, I'm done with it. And you know what's the really great thing? God promises that if you ask for forgiveness, you're going to get it. Not once, not twice, every single time. That's his promise. If you come to him and ask for forgiveness, you will get it. And tied to that, of course, is making sure you're not harboring unforgiveness towards others. If you are, you need to ask God to help you to resolve that issue. Then ask God to go with you, and to go before you, to protect you in your day from things unseen and things seen. And if you can do this, and that's just looking at the pattern that Jesus taught us, if you can do this, if you can actually put it into practice, but with heart and meaning, not just doing it because you're supposed to, not just doing it because I said so, or Jesus said so, do it with heart and meaning, you are going to see that your heart is, is being drawn to God's heart. You are going to see that your heart is being transformed into the likeness of God's heart. And maybe you're saying, okay, this is great. Like, this is the best preaching I've ever heard, and thank you for that. That's very kind, by the way. But you're saying, "Uh, that's great, but I'm even having trouble doing this meaningfully. Even if this, uh, I'm having trouble to even just pray the Lord's Prayer meaningfully. Uh, If that's you, I want to encourage you then to start with an even uh, more simple prayer. I'll put it up on the screen for you. It says this. God, give me a dissatisfaction with the way things are. Give me a desire to draw close to you and grant me strength to persevere in prayer. This is a really important prayer. This is one we all could probably use to pray every week, maybe every day, maybe a couple times a day. God, give me a dissatisfaction with the way things are. Give me a desire to draw close to you and grant me strength to persevere in prayer. Let's break this down quick. There are three parts to this prayer. The first part, it says, pray... For dissatisfaction with the way things are. And really simple here, I won't I won't belabor this, but if you are completely with content with how life is right now, then you're not gonna change anything. If you are completely with content of how your life is currently, you won't change, because change happens when you have an enough is enough moment. Anyone had one of those moments where you were doing something or going through something and you just had this moment where you're going, this is insanity. Why am I doing this? This is enough is enough. You draw that hard line in the sand. You say, never again. That is where change happens. When you become so disgusted with how life was going before, what you were in or involved in or doing, you have that enough is enough moment. I'm not going to cross this. I'm tired of this. I'm done with this. That is when change happens. You have to be dissatisfied with how life is. And if you're not dissatisfied, change won't come. Change comes when you get to that enough is enough point. So you first begin this prayer. You're saying, I'm tired of just having motion and no meaning in my relationship with God. You say, God, give me a dissatisfaction because I want to change. But I'm so content with how life is. I know it's not going to happen unless I have this deep-rooted dissatisfaction in my life with how things are. So you pray for a dissatisfaction. Second, you pray for a desire to draw near to God. Even if you're dissatisfied with how things are, unless you actually have the desire to do something about it, nothing will change. And you say, how can you be disgusted and dissatisfied with things are without changing it? Listen, we all know people who complain a lot, right? Put your hand up, because otherwise I'm going to say it's probably you. <laughs> we all know people who complain a lot. And have you ever met one of those people who they complain about just about every aspect of their life, and yet... To your confusion and dismay, they do nothing about it. They are completely dissatisfied with their life in every retrospect. Their financial life, their work life, their relationships, everything is horrible. They will tell you all about it. They're so mad about it, yet they are unwilling to do anything to better it, to change it, to work towards a solution or something better. It's pretty annoying, right? (laughs) Am I the only one that finds it annoying? Is that unholy to say? I'm sorry. (laughs) It's pretty annoying. I almost just want to scream, don't you want to be happy? Like, do something about it. Like, you just seem to want to be in this perpetual state of uh, of dissatisfaction so you have something new to complain about. And I often think of these people, boy, if you would just let me control your life, you would be a much happier person. If you're so unhappy, if you're so dissatisfied with life, do something about it figure something out, try something new. The same is true here, okay? Just being dissatisfied with life, just being dissatisfied with your relationship with God is not enough on its own. You have to have a desire to change it too. So you pray, God, give me a desire to change. Give me a desire to go closer to you. And then number three, you pray for perseverance. This is not a one-and-done kind of thing. If you expect to go from motion to meaning in one prayer, in one afternoon, in one heated prayer moment, you're going to be disappointed. But over time, as you commit to praying for that dissatisfaction, as you commit to praying for that desire, as you commit to practice praying through the meaning and model of the Lord's prayer, you are going to find a deep and meaningful reward at the end of that, which is growing and, a growing and thriving relationship with God. As you engage in sincere prayer, you will find your heart connecting to God's heart. And here's the best part of that. As your heart connects to God's heart, you are going to experience transformation in your life. You're going to experience breakthroughs that you never thought could be broken. You will experience healing that you thought never would come. You'll experience a peace that doesn't make sense despite life's circumstances. You're going to experience hope where you had despair before. Why? Because as you connect to God's heart, your heart is transformed. That's how prayer works, by the way. As you connect to God's heart, your heart is transformed. And let me say this, at times, prayer can be a lot of hard work. It's not always. Sometimes it's just the easiest, most natural thing in the world, and you just get this life-giving time in this prayer moment with God as you speak and listen to him. But there are other times where it takes a lot of discipline and hard work, and it even takes a lot of discipline and hard work to break out of the mold of motions, we're good at that, and go into Meaning, at times, prayer can be hard work, but here's the key. All the time, though, prayer is heart work. At times, prayer can be hard work, but all the time, prayer is heart work. Today is Pentecost Sunday. Um, that's the day in Scripture we read in Acts where the Holy Spirit was poured out on all believers and empowering them as they meaningfully connected with God. And I was thinking maybe then today, uh, as you pray for that dissatisfaction, as you pray for that deep desire, as you pray for the strength to persevere through and in prayer, maybe we need to also add this. Come, Spirit. Come and fill me anew. Help me move from motion to meaning as you draw me in. And as I connect with God through prayer. Let me actually do that for now as we close our service. Heavenly Father, we pray, create in me a new heart. Renew a right spirit within me. Pour out your spirit on me once again. Fill me anew. Refresh my mind, my body, and my soul. We pray, help us, Lord, to be drawn deeper into a meaningful relationship with you where there are empty patterns and habits, where there are meaningless motions, would you replace them with meaningful encounters with you? Help us to understand that prayer is not cursory or optional or shallow, but it's the most meaningful activity we can engage in. It is communion with you. It is connecting our heart to your heart. It is being transformed as we spend time in your presence. And so I ask, Lord, as we move into just this moment of listening— that you would speak so clear to us. I pray then in Jesus' name that you would silence anything that's not of you, even our own inner voices, so that in this moment that we could have a meaningful encounter with you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We're gonna do just that. At the end of every service here at Faith Community, we, we take time to do something that we call Take Two. It's where we give you two minutes to ask God two questions and then listen for his response. This is much more than just a, a reflection on the service. It maybe in part is a bit of a reflection, but that's not the goal. Or it's not the point. The point is that you would actually spend time speaking to God and then slowing and listening for him to respond. So we want you to take time to ask these two questions. Very simple. Question one, you ask God, what is one thing you are saying to me? What do you want me to walk out this door knowing that you have purposely brought me here for this specific Sunday and this specific message? What do you want me to hear? So you ask God, what is one thing you're saying to me? And then stop and listen. Listen for Him to respond. And then it's so important that you don't stop there, but you always go to the second question, which says, Now that you've spoken to me, now that I've heard from you, God, what do you want me to do about it? What step of obedience are you asking me to take? How do you want me to put what you're saying to me into action uh, this week, this afternoon, this moment? So uh, we're going to give you two minutes to ask God, what are you saying to me? And what do you want me to do about it? And then I'll come back and I'll close the service. We'll start that timer for you right about now. I think uh, God was using the kids' program downstairs to help uh, make sure we were present today and not drifting off. Heather did warn me that there would be some balloon popping today. <laughs> it just happened to coincide with our quiet time, and that's great. God is getting our attention. If you are dozing out there, I trust that those balloon pops, God is using them to bring you back and be fully present and here with us this morning. Let, why don't you stand as we close service this morning, and I want to read for you our benediction. I'm going to read from Romans 15:13. May God fill you with all the joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. I pray you go with that peace and joy and hope this week. Thanks for joining.